Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 172. The last episode we had was with Laura Audrey. Um, Laura is one of the Nuffield cohort um, of sort of the batch of Nuffield scholars this year that I'm in. Um, and the next episode we'll have, I honestly don't know who that is because this is the last episode we're filming in 2023. This is obviously coming out probably late January 2024, but it's the last one I'm filming in 2023. And when I was doing that, we're just sort of sitting waiting um, to kick off. I thought I'd do some research. I've done, this will be the 100th episode of filmed this year. It's 6,257, I think it is, minutes, which is 4.34 days. I've sat here interviewing people like a complete nerd. Um, but <laughs> you guys are liking it. The views are going up, so something must be right. Um, so, yeah, I just thought I'd say that, which is a bit mental. You'll be hearing this, obviously, late January, but um, that's sort of 2023 for you. I've said it a couple of times. My plan for 2024 is to sort of hit 100 episodes released in 2023 i think we just released 92 just um just 92 hours worth of content uh but yeah we'll aim for 100 next year and i've got a feeling i'm gonna go to 10 episodes a month in fairness because i just seem to be a psychopath um so that's what's going on there as i said don't know what the next episode is uh, we'll get to that in 2024 um it will be probably someone else from nuffield it might even be keith dawson who is um, an ex-farmer of 200,000 hectares in Ukraine. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, there's quite a few folk on the list. But today we have a very, very special guest. And I say very, very special. I normally say very special. Today's two varies. And the reason for that is, is this is the first time ever. 172 episodes, and it's taken till now for this to happen. What is that, I hear you ask? Um, what that is, is someone to come on on the Food and Farming series as an individual twice. It's not happened once before. We've had Claire Taylor on... Um, twice as herself and then once as Jane Craigie Marketing with Jane Strawhorn on, once as herself, once as SAYFC and then once as when we went to Africa together, not just me and her, albeit we maybe did fake get married. But this is the first time an individual has came on twice as an individual. Very big day, very special lady for that and that lady is Sophie Gregory. Sophie, would you like to say hello? Oh, hello. Thanks so much for having me. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, formerly known as A-Plan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories, as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Howden Rural for that. Not at all. Very much looking forward to this again. And we have now met this time. Yeah. Which is nice. <laughs> um, I am referring to uh, the episode we done. I don't know when it would be. Probably April, May time, I think. I could be completely wrong. It was this year at some point. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely. I remember. Yeah, I, I think it was. We were in carving. So I think it was April. I think. April. I might be wrong. My it's brain would have gone mad by then. We carving. <laughs> And brains will be going mad at the minute with kids at Christmas time. So there's always reasons for everything to go mad. Um, mm-hmm. If you are wanting to go listen to that episode, it's number 108, um, where we sort of went over all of Sophie's life, the farm, everything, all that sort of stuff. We're going to do that as well today, uh, maybe a wee bit less in-depth with that side of things, and we'll sort of do like almost an update episode. And I think I'd been toying with the idea of bringing someone on for a second time for, for a few months now, to be honest. And... Uh, I thought, well, 
you know, we've done 100 and probably 60 episodes of the food and farm inside. And I thought we must be getting to the stage that we could sort of have update episodes. So this will be a bit of a, a trial run for our, our, our very, very special guest, as I said earlier. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 108, if you want to go listen to that. And today we'll sort of go in a wee bit more depth about the Nuffield side and, and sort of what's happened on that on that side of things. Um, so yeah, just for those that haven't heard your story somehow, Sophie, because you're obviously very famous. Um, no. you know, <laughs> <laughs> could you give a bit of background to yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I'm Sophie Gregory, I'm married to Tom. We've got three young children, 14, 12 and 5. Um, and we are dairy farmers, organic dairy farmers on the Dorset Devon border. Uh, I'm not from an ag background, um, so came into farming nearly 10 years ago now. And I trained as an accountant first, not a family farm at all. Um, it's uh, we started in a share farming agreement and we're just buying our business partner out. So it's sort of, yeah, first generation for both of us. But there are some farming in, in Tom's side. Um, so I'm still, I call myself farmer in training, but... I uh, people say surely you know enough now about farming to drop that and I think actually definitely not there is just so much isn't there I'm sure Wallace you're finding that as well um but just, just like the systems of farming the t- people different types of cows just yeah absolutely yeah there's no same system as there I, th- I think that's true yeah and I mean you call yourself farmer in training which I think probably everyone is It'd be fraudulent for me to say I'm a farmer these days but um <laughs> I th- you say something, I can't remember exactly what it is in your bio, uh, you know, sort of along the lines of farmer and training. And uh, when I first brought you on, you know, I'd followed your Instagram and I thought oh, that's really good. And it, it was an Instagram that if you are wanting to to follow, if you are listening, farmer underscore in underscore training, I think. Um, yeah. You put some really in-depth stuff up. And then when you came on, it's always quite interesting because, you know, sometimes I have folk that have been in this for 50 years. Sometimes you bring new folk on and um you know, a lot of the new folk are new to it, but I was, I, I could not believe how much you knew. It was insane. And it, it still, it still baffles me. I tell a lot of people that first episode, how much you'd, you'd sort of got into it. And yes, you could say still in training, but I think everyone has to be, if you're not in training, you're not going to keep getting better, are you? Um, you've sort of went in and you really have. And it's, it sort of leads me to a question is, what was, what was it like sort of coming from a completely non-farming background for, for definitely yourself and, almost for Tom, you know, um, to then come in. What was that like? Was that an easy process or was that quite tricky? No, I think it's been quite tricky. It's definitely been a learning curve. Um, the first of uh, first year, our business partner was coming every 10 days. Um, and we, and he would, you know, tell us what to do. If that, yeah, it's more of a manager type. And then it's sort of the next year he spent um, coming sort of once a month and then quarterly. And then he just comes you know, as and when he wants to. So we've had, he to it has been having a really good mentor. So that's, he's been absolutely instrumental to our business being, um, well, being viable really. Um, And I think it was, to me, it was a very scary, I said no for a long time to do what we'd have done. Um, Mainly because I had no idea. I had just no, and the sums of money involved in getting into farming aren't small scale. So you either have to go all in or you can't do it half-heartedly. And I, I really thought to begin with that I wasn't going to be involved. I thought I was going to carry on my day job, which was um, at a local accountancy firm. But actually, I really, it just, it surrounds your life. And I still find that now because we live in the middle of the farm, that unless I go off farm, I find it quite hard to switch off from it. 
so it's got some real pros because I'm just here I don't have to travel to go to work etc but um and the kids can be around and I don't need so much childcare and all of that but um to fully switch off there's always something going you know there's a machine in the parlor or something going so I have it is definitely a way of life I would say I think um I found it it's been exciting it's probably the 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 underlying bit is it's there's never been a dull day there's always something going on um and I, I yeah I think and I love the fact that it totally is in rhythm with the seasons so yeah I don't really like winter but I know spring's coming and that makes the job easier and it's just it's yeah it really suits uh it suits my personality I suppose as well you struggle with that not able to switch offness or do you quite enjoy it I really struggle if I'm if I'm trying to switch off and I can't yeah. on the farm. Yeah, I just don't. I, I used to put huge pressure on myself to us to have weekends off or, you know, not every weekend, but like a weekend off. Um, but we just found that something else needed doing and actually taking the pressure off and being like, oh, let's just catch a couple of hours here together spontaneously. Or we try one rule we do have is a week, a year away together, all of us. So we try and we try and do that every year. Um, so that's like a non-negotiable. So as long as I know I've got that um, and then some of my work's off farm um, and then we both we both sort of do things off farm as well. So I think that helps. But when it's going well, you don't mind being here the whole time. But when when it's, you know, Rocky Milk Price or, you know, TB or anything like that, it's quite hard. Like it's very hard to sort of relax into it if that makes sense relax into the the farm and the house when you just can't get away from it it's just there um, is, TB, is tb an issue where you are well we're in a high risk zone um but touch wood um we haven't got it at the moment we have had we've had two different bouts of it um one about a year ago and then seven years before that so it's not you know our neighbors go in and out it's definitely around but um we haven't, we're a closed herd. I think that helps. So we don't really buy stuff in. And we've been farming the same land area now for the last six years. So I think the cows are probably quite used to it. I have a bit of a belief that um, cows, it becomes a bit immune to its environment, if that makes sense. So it's sort of, you know, if it's brought up on the farm and then it learns the bugs and things on the farm, then it's less likely to sort of pick things up. It's, it's whole immunity and things um are less likely to be affected if that makes sense um with stress and things with cows often often yeah if a cow is under stress it's more likely to get something like that so i feel like because we're the cows are here and that's you know they they don't really go apart from between the sites they don't really go anywhere else um I've, yeah maybe that's part of it i don't know or maybe we've just been very lucky I think, you know, you said the word belief there. I don't know if there's signs to it, but I've always had that thought as well. I've always sort of thought that. Um, as I say, I don't know if there's signs to it, and maybe there is, but no. um, yeah, it, it does make sense just in general. And, you know, we mentioned when I filmed with, I think it was Laura, I filmed something like seven episodes in the last two days. I yeah. think Laura, when I was, I was speaking to yesterday, um, her podcast was out the last episode there, and... Uh, was mentioned about TV and we didn't really go in depth in TV, but just, mm. you know, up here, it, we were officially TV free, which doesn't mean there's no TV in Scotland. It's, I think it's one in a thousand or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm aware of some inconclusive reactors here and there, but it just see places like South Wales and what it's just, it must be soul destroying. It really must be. I don't know how people pull through that. Um, 
you mentioned sort of work for both of your farm what, what does that include what does that involve um so some of mine is so we supply arla which is a european cooperative um so we all of the farmers own a bit of the business if that makes sense um and so when you join you buy in and then um, on top of your milk price, you get a sort of share of the profits called a 13th payment. So they have, uh, it's a democracy. So you can be elected onto, um, you can be an elected rep and then you can be a BOR, which is a board of representatives, which is 29 in the UK. Um, and then there's BOD as well, which is board of directors. Um, so I sit, uh, I'm elected and then I sit on the BOR. Um, so some of that, yeah, some of my work is through that. And then there's an organic committee as well. And I sit on that too. Um, and then I just do bits and bobs. You know, someone asked me to go and talk at something. I do a lot of school visits going into schools. Um, so, yeah, just we've got cluster group. We've got a cluster group and then a charity called Discover Farming, which is um, really focused on education. It's, it's within an eight mile radius of the headquarters. And uh, that's, yeah, that takes some time in the summer. Um, so, yeah, just other interests outside of the farm. I, mean, I have to speak to you about that side off camera with regards to mine off-field in fairness. Oh, you'd love it, honestly. I yeah. really love to share, show you that. It's It's been going for a long time now and it's it's like one of my favourite things to be involved in. It's so rewarding. No, I might. Um, that, that sounds good. Actually, that sounds exactly what I'm looking to do. So, no, good. Um, I guess there's a there's a big question that, that people probably ask. Oh, maybe they don't ask it, but I'm sure... <clears throat> from a lot of the questions I get people asking about guests I've had on and whatnot, I certainly hear this question a lot. Why organic? Why organic? Well, I can tell you... Don't come I'm sure. But, uh... Yeah, I know. Um, I can tell you why we originally started to be organic. Um, and that sort of led us, you know, I, I wouldn't re- I wouldn't change now. Um, so originally, the, so the farm is five, seven, five acres at home, um, but only has 300 cubicles. So realistically, we would have to do infrastructure to milk the amount of cows that a conventional farm would have here. So uh, we were we looked, we did budgets on uh, conventional and organic spring and autumn calving. Um, and the organic at the time, because the premium was better, stacked up. So that actually it was a financial decision originally. I didn't really know anything about farming. So I was led, you know, I was definitely led. And our business partner had um, at the time five other dairies organically. So um, it was definitely led by that. Um, And now it's sort of just become part of how we farm. Um, In a way, I think it's probably simpler and I would probably struggle with conventional now because I'd have absolutely no idea about fertilizer or any sort of chemical use. But to me, it's probably in line with my values now. So like the way that I like, the way I like to farm and the way I like to follow nature. And uh, we have, we're not just one block of carving now, we're two, we're split block. Um, But I like, I think that I would find it, I think it just feels right for this farm as well. And I actually believe in, I don't at the moment, and my husband really wants to prove me wrong on this. I don't think (laughs) organic feed the world. Okay. So that's like part of my part of my nafu will look into that. But um he yeah, it's in a it's not in a great place at the moment, organic, as as some of the listeners will know. It's just um there's a lot of campaigns to reinvent organic, um, make it more accessible to people who wouldn't normally consider it. And obviously in a cost of living crisis, it's a total disaster. Um, but people don't really understand what it is now. 
So that that was part of my Nuffield idea was, you know, what's the future for organic? You know, it, are we done with it? You know, that is actually when they they asked me if in my interview, are we, you know, what what would happen if you actually found out that organic was dead? What would that be a problem? I said, no, it wouldn't. I did, I actually want to know. This is part of it. Is, is I actually want to know if if I'm actually pursuing the farm down a line that actually it's not going to be there in the future, then then I want to know about it. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, the new name for A Plan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. Um, Sorry. No, no, not at all. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting sort of question when you consider you know is organic going to feed the world does mm. it have to or can it be part of how you feed the world you know i, I, I think, we, it, I think yeah. we sort of try and come up with these blanket solutions whereas there's different things for different areas different livestock whatever and i don't think we have to make sure that it's doing everything you know yeah i think that it's for me at the moment my view is that i think it's part of a puzzle of feeding the world so i think yeah. it has a place to a place um but i think um yeah, I don't. I don't think it has to feed the world. If that makes sense, yeah. I think it needs to. You know, it's not accessible it, at the moment. The pricing isn't accessible to all, but I also don't think that some land's probably suitable to it, or um, maybe we need some. We need to be more productive. I don't. I don't. That is what I'm most excited about is is answering some of these questions because there are reasons why farmers aren't organic because they the barriers. You know, feed prices ridiculous. This is down the dairy line more feed prices is, is so different to conventional um the margin now between the conventional and the organic um price wise is is nearly half what it was when we first went oh really um, uh, yeah crazy um and it's got a little bit better the last two months but not you know not enough really to make it properly viable our business would be much better off conventional right now so a lot of the people in organic right now and not on notice periods are people who like really want to be organic or they are organic because landlord needs them to be, or agreement needs them to be like um, countryside stewardship or something like that. Um, but um, they, their barriers inorganic is is going to be part of my Nuffield. You know, why, why aren't other farmers wanting to be organic? You know, we, I think the consumer, if they understood the reasons behind organic, would would want to be involved in it. Would want some of their shopping basket to be organic. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a very difficult one. Um, but I'm excited to find out some of the answers. Yeah, definitely. We'll come to Nuffield in a bit. And there's, um, it's, yeah, I think there's three or four that really stick out to me. Um, I think they're all interesting. I don't, I think I said this on another podcast recently. I don't think there's any Nuffield scholarship that's not interesting. It's just <laughs> some things tick your boxes more than others, you know? Um yeah. And yours has been one I've been quite excited about for a while. I don't know if it's because I've known you for longer. I don't think it is, to be honest. I think I just do think it's a really interesting topic. Um, but even sort of staying on that line of is organic going to feed the world, it, I almost sort of think it runs to the side. You know, we've got a cost of living crisis, like you mentioned, um, and feeding the world comes into that a lot. Can people, from a food security perspective, bringing in my master's like a nerd, can people yeah. physically and economically access food? Can they live, you know? But then I see organic as, and this is how it should be, and I think in the shops it is, but from the farmer's perspective, it's not as a more premium product. You know, you're not 
well, maybe this is wrong and correct me if, if, well, maybe not correct, but tell me if you think different, that if you're eating organic, that's not strictly a purely to feed yourself. It's also having a bit of choice of what you eat and, and caring more a bit for the environment. That's how I see it. It's a more added value product. And I don't think yeah, it I has think to come into the feed the world. Con- yeah, con- no, I think that um we've um done a very, you know, you only have to look at the difference between the UK and the Danish um market for organic we've done a very good job in the uk of making it a niche market and making it um sort of considered to be something that for posh people or for like upper class people or you know for people who can afford it um whereas in denmark and sweden it's very much um you know part of you can buy it in in every type of shop from little aldi through to more premium stores and what's quite interesting is that they have um you know from a budget range through to high end range of an organic product in those shops so you can buy like wonky organic carrots you know you never have that in the uk you never someone buys organic cuz they want the premium in the top Whereas in Denmark and Sweden, they actually want, you know, they, they see it as like the healthy choice. And also policy in those countries, well, definitely Denmark has, they have huge, they will have a huge ambition for organics. So they want 30% of food and 30% of land um, to be eating um, organic, it will be organic by um, 2030. So that's like their ambition. It's a huge, huge, it's, it's over and above the EU. Um, and they incentivize that through, you know, through policy and their um, food service, which is supposed to so by, by putting an organic law in on food service, they hope that that then influences um, what people cook at home. Um, so what they do, it's 60 percent of food ingredients and food service have to be organic by law. So it's yeah, it's, it then, you know, someone eats something out in a restaurant and they think, oh, I could do that. I'm going to buy it in a shop and buy it at home. So they do a lot of, they do a lot of that and they are very good with their marketing as in they're not scared to show, showcase the benefits of organic. Whereas in the UK, we're quite, we shy away from saying, oh, it's not got, you know, artificial chemical, you know, fertilizers, chemicals, it's insecticides, pesticides on the product because I, I don't know why we don't. I think we, we need to be a bit braver. Anyway, Denmark has been very much better at that. So that's, yeah, definitely two countries I'll be in. The 30%, just for reference, do you, you might not have a number on this, but what's the sort of number in the UK at the minute? Is that a thing you have? So milk is, um, UK milk, in Arla it's 5%. I think it's 2% in the country. Right. So 2% organic. Yeah. yeah. So it's not huge at all. And we what we really had a big ambition to grow to what... Um, Denmark and Sweden were aiming at there's as much theirs is in the teens um but it's just not happened here we just haven't adopted organic like they have I think some of it Wallace is the fact that they are way more connected to their food so they actually value you only have to go into one of their shops and they value um you know fruit fruit and veg that they have way more aisles of fruit and veg and things compared to us they just they're much more connected to eating well um and some of it's around culture and some of it's you know that they've got shorter days and they said that eating and stuff is such a celebration for them yeah so, um yeah some of it is cultural definitely well do you know it's funny you mentioned about the aisles of fruit and veg i was thinking about this last night i went to tesco um totally not to pick up a last minute christmas present for someone um <laughs> and uh our tesco's a big one well i i think it's big i'm from an island so anything more than yeah. four aisles for me is big but um i think it's 22 aisles and the if you if you talk fruit and veg not sort of 
perfectly packaged, made for stir fry fruit and veg, not the flowers that are in the same bit, not the um the sort of herbs and all that stuff, just fruit and veg that's there for energy and to be on your plate. It's about three quarters of an aisle. <laughs> I was sort of thinking of that thing. And then I walked up and a confectionery, crisps and biscuits is four aisles. And I'm like, do you actually look at that? It's insane. It it blows my mind, doesn't it? Um, because also some of the people who buy uh, who would buy organic probably wouldn't shop so much in the supermarket, do they? So like the farm, yeah. like are we so where is organic ever gonna be successful? Um, for the people so I always think it may be locals overriding now so people are more interested in the fact that things are local and they don't really yeah. mind whether it's organic because I have um, a brand like Galesford um, the farm shop I mean slightly inaccessible for all because um, it's very expensive and it's yeah. you know but, but it is it's been you know made a big difference to where it is um, in, in terms of economy and people coming to the area um, but um, it's uh, it's not really an organic brand now. They could easily take organic out, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like a brand in itself. Yeah. So I think I think that is part of it, isn't it? That that pe- the people in the country, like during COVID and things, people went out and started connecting a bit more to their food, I think. We sort of saw a lot more people using yeah. farm shops and stuff. But if you ask them about whether it was important it was organic, I think most of them would be like, you know, I prefer it to be local. Yeah. So yes, yeah. yeah, that that I mean, yeah, there's a little barrier in that, I suppose. I think that's probably been interesting mine for some time. Is you know, especially with the sort of masters topic I've done was the thing I sort of went down was I thought that local was important. Now at that stage, I probably wasn't focused on the impact of water courses and marine and bird and whatever life of pesticides and fair, you know, but. <laughs> It's a tricky one. It is, it is a really interesting one, especially when you're considering that a farm is a business. You know, that's, and that's a, that's a massive consideration, isn't it? I mean, you can't do it if it's not. Um, but we'll, we'll come back to Nuffield in a wee bit more depth just in a minute, uh, Sophie. But for those that sort of want to hear about the farm and hear about you and your background and stuff, um, yeah. it's all quite in depth on, on episode 108. So if you are wanting to sort of jump away from this episode at the minute and go listen to that um, and come back, What's what's happened since then? What's been happening, sort of away from Nuffield, just in life with Arla, with with the farm, whatever since since early time this year? Much changes or things? What, just going what have we done? So we've had a whole um, we've had a we've been through autumn carving. So we carve um twice, yeah, twice a year. So we last episode I would have just been coming out of carving. So we carve March and April really, and then um July and what well, end of July. Uh, August and middle of October, middle of October. So yeah, two carving blocks. So we had a really good carving season this autumn. Um, cows milked really well into the winter, and then a very wet um, autumn, like most people, which uh, meant we came in a month early, which wasn't really ideal because um, it just adds a lot more routine to our to our day. So once it's an extra two people in the afternoon, really, and in the morning. So it's a short. It made winter a lot longer which is which I felt and I was definitely ready to um I'm ready to start sending some cows on holiday so we'll start we're starting now to um dry off cows ready to carve again in the spring so um they have for people who don't know they have um eight weeks holiday before they have a calf and we call that their dry period so it's just a chance for them to put on some condition and um yeah feed feed the calf rather than produce milk so um we're yeah just started that process um what else has been going on so i've um 
I have been, oh, the organic committee has um, has been quite active. Um, it was under a lot of pressure um, with the difference between conventional and organic. Premium was very low and we were seeing a lot of people coming out of organic. And, um, you know, utilisation for a pool like ours um, is quite hard because it's quite seasonal. So naturally, an organic herd would produce more milk in the spring, no matter where their calving block is, because they go outside. It's part of our standards. Really, the only way to buy um, grazed milk or guaranteed grazed milk, you can buy through some others, but the you know most supermarkets would stock organic um, would be to buy organic because uh, mm. other other um, milks can be mixed together, and you know you just don't know the system. But we have to, as one of our standards, graze for a proportion of their time. So we've been uh, I've been in Denmark I think twice since one for organic and a once for BOR which um board meetings so we just discuss um democracy in the in the um co-op and issues that we have you know across the the countries um and then we vote on those as well which is great and I was the best bit about it and I'm probably you'd find this too Wallace is um meeting the other farmers from the other countries because you just learn so much their challenges and the things that are similar to yours um so that's been exciting um I've had, have I had a holiday? Yes, I have. I went to Turkey with my dad and my brother and the kids um, for a week. He takes us somewhere every year, which um, we normally try and go somewhere totally untouristy, if that makes sense. So like we go to a country, we normally go to the city first, which is more touristy, but then go to the coast where that country, you know, we went to Turkey and we went very much to where the Turkish people um, holiday. So that was really nice. Um, And the culture there is crazy. Um, the, the call for prayer at four in the morning is just mind blowing. Um, so, yeah, really enjoyed that. And then, yeah, obviously summer holidays with kids. Um, but, yeah, that's what I've been doing. And then Nuffield, applying for Nuffield took quite a chunk of yeah. <laughs> a chunk of my time. It's the most scary experience. There's a picture out at the moment. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Wallace, where they're looking for... Um, another um, person to help with the interviews and so they don't want enough field scholar they don't they want someone external um so professional or you know someone who could give add something to that group and I it actually gives me PTSD seeing that picture like I sent it to Laura and I said does this give you PTSD because this gives me mega PTSD I was so nervous in that interview that I just find that picture like Do you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I can't remember how many of you guys have, have recorded with now. It must be high teens, mid teens, if not. Mm. And the more and more I do, the more I realise that I just must be a bit of a psychopath because I absolutely loved it. Oh my God, Wallace, no. Yeah, loved it. And I'm deadly serious. I mean, even at one point, Matthew Curry said, Are you always this confident in this sort of environment? I, was, I just love that. And I felt like it was so fun. Um, oh, and God. the amount of people, Laura said it to me last night, I think uh, Ifan said it, um, David Taverner said it, and I think Hattie said it. They were like, oh, we thought you were a sponsor. <laughs> 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 no! <laughs> Only time I've ever dressed fancy in my entire life. Um, so, so good, isn't it? <laughs> but I have, been, I have seen that photo pop up a lot, and I'm like, oh, yeah, because <laughs> it's the exact same room. It must have been taken that day. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah no it was we well jumped to it but just turkey is a place that i would like to go i haven't been i am when i learned to well i'm not a chef because i think that's an official title but i was a cook i guess i learned from a turkish guy 
and uh, sort of learned a lot of Mediterranean dishes like sivlakas and mm. uh, um, kofti kebabs and stuff like that. And just hearing about Turkey is really interesting. So, yeah, no, that would be good. Um, yeah, so Nuffield. Uh, yeah. I, I've asked everyone this, so I'll ask you as well. Why Nuffield? Why Nuffield? I think they asked me that in the interview. Did they? I think they said to me, so I, you know, you had a great year. As I think Tom asked me, Tom Wilson asked me, um, you had a great year, great dairy year last year because the milk price had been really good. Um, what's stopping you from just, why do you need Nuffield? What's stopping you from just um, funding your own trip around the world? Like, why do you need Nuffield? And I said to him, you know, we all know, Tom, it's not just about the travel. It's about the contacts and the people you meet. Um, so that, yeah, that is really, it's the connections and any of my friends who've done Nuffield and encouraged me to do Nuffield have done, it's changed them totally. Um, and I think I was quite, um, quite stagnant. We're sort of quite stagnant in our business now. We're sort of buying our business partner out. And Tom, you know, Tom's grown the business, his side of the business quite a lot. Um, so he's got an arable farm now and we're keeping some of the beef and it, that's grown and his soil side's grown massively. But I'm sort of at a bit of a sticking point that I needed, I needed sort of stretching, if that makes yeah. sense. And I was sort of ready for the next challenge. I like to have, like I'm, people say, are you sure you're going to have time for this? But I'm a busy person. Like I like to be busy. Yeah. I absolutely uh, do not like to be, you know, quiet. You know, I'm I'm quite, I like to meditate in the morning, and I like quiet time in the morning before I milk. I always try and, and that's where my best ideas come from. But I very much like to have a busy diary. You know, meditation is an interesting one. I um definitely did not, and then I got I got an Apple Watch. I don't know when, probably eighteen months ago. And it, like as you're driving into work, seems to be the time it says, just remember to meditate for a minute this morning. Yeah. Like, what a load of rubbish. Click that off. And then someone mentioned it at the podcast, and I was like, oh, well, I will try it. And I did it at the end of the night instead of the start, because I think I'd mentioned to you, sleeping was not the best thing in the world for me. So about 10 o'clock, I just sort of tried to zone out for five minutes. Yeah. It was amazing. It I haven't done it for ages. I think ever since I stopped walking with this injury in July, I've everything's went to shit to be honest but um I should get back into it again actually because it was amazing you really should you really should yeah. it's so I, I did last year I did 240 days in a row really and yeah I got really I really needed it I was it was like at the end of last year and it was like a bit of a like I don't know I wasn't feeling great I was I didn't really have any huge challenges um I do better under pressure yeah. um well, I've got a deadline and, and this will probably definitely happen in Nuffield as well. I've said <laughs> to my um, uh, mentor that I will need kicking, like constant kicking. Um, but um, I, yeah, I was sort of, and I really, my brain was just too busy. And I, I really, and I meditated quite a long time before my Nuffield interview. Um, and I just find it, it's just the thing that works for me. And we've got a WhatsApp group, there's about 60 farmers on it. Started by a Nuffield scholar, actually, um, Holly Beckett, who did a whole Nuffield. Oh, yeah. I should read it. You, you probably have. Um, she's exceptional, and the fact that so many not normal people but meditate on that group, it just keeps me really accountable. And I've got an app that's good, and it just sets me up for the day. And I think having those little routines does, you know, keeps you going. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, do Do you find you chase that? 240 day thing more than the meditation that was one thing i really struggled with because with the apple watch i got i need to get back into walking my calf just i can't get it to be there i'm close with physio but um it almost became like a 
oh well I've walked for the last 73 days I can't stop yeah and I don't know if I was doing it for the walking or doing it for the number yeah Did it was really that? hard when I lost that streak and I think it was literally I'd fallen asleep like I'd fallen like I was like I hadn't done it in the morning I probably have had a morning off or something and I hadn't done it in the morning and then I was going to do it to go to sleep mm. um but I just fell asleep and then it was past 12 o'clock and I was like ah um but sometimes I think it's good to buck routines as well so like Connie taught me something really clever that like sometimes to be mindful you have to do something totally different to your routine so like she was like brush your teeth with your left hand you know like things like that like if you're brushing it with your other hand so it actually makes you think about what you're doing rather than it all being in like (laughs) I like hit my cheek I'm terrible yeah exactly yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's an interesting one yeah so just be mindful yeah routines you don't even really consider as routines exactly like making a cup of tea and things like you just don't even I don't think we we even think about doing that now do we like you just if you're a tea drinker like me it's a massive thing for me I've got no idea what I'm doing (laughs) (laughs) brilliant um but for me it's like a like a nature like it's a habit now I don't I don't go outside without a cup of tea for you know milky in the morning yeah that's an I like that sort of idea of just like I can't even think of things like that, but yeah, like the brushing the teeth idea and stuff like that. That's an interesting one. Mm. Yeah. Don't, maybe don't try drinking the tea with the left hand. It might hurt. No, um, that might burn me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we sort of touched upon Nuffield and stuff uh, there, Sophie, and, and sort of what the plans are. But could you sort of say sort of exactly what the sort of, maybe not exactly the title word for word, but sort of what your plan is in that regard? And then also where, where you plan on jetting off to? Yeah, of course. Um, so... Travel, so as as you'll know, probably from listening to the other um, Nuffielders, that we're all going to Brazil in March. So that is super exciting. So I think I've tried not to plan too much. I've got sort of countries that I want to go to, but I haven't booked anything. I don't yeah. haven't done anything. I've done a bit of UK stuff um, just to get me through winter. So I've been to see, um, so far I've been to see Dalesford, which is an organic farm shop up in the Cotswolds. Um and sort of learning about why organic for them originally um and i've been to see someone called sue pritchard who's the food and farming commission head of food and farming commission and she talks they their sort of advice to government really at the moment their think tank is that um it's about agroecology rather than organic so i wanted to understand why not organic um and then um so then my plan is at the moment is to do um july uh, in well june july go for a month to america because i think i need to give it a month it's such a big country and um i'm planning to see the extremes so see like some really intensive farms through to um yeah organic and we're hopefully going to see some amish farms uh, a lot of them are organic um and some of the cooperatives and the processing and because organic dairy over there is still in growth so that and consumption is still in growth and it's very the, the big thing over there, which we don't have in the UK, is the differential between conventional and organic is huge mm-hmm. because people actually choose organic for like safety reasons. If that makes sense. Right, okay. Conventional is you can still use on certain contracts, you can still use growth hormones and things like that. Yeah. Whereas in organic, it's actually stricter than the UK. You can't use any any antibiotics that cow then has to leave the herd. Milk can't be sold from it. So it's okay. even stricter than the UK um so i want to uh, yeah i want to see that um the difference and how that plays out um the other countries i'm going to go to are sri lanka because sri lanka 
yeah, I'm so I'm really excited about Sri Lanka because um they put a they're going to put a policy overnight um to it was really overnight um to that they were going to ban fertilizer and it was only organic the country was to only produce organic food um but it was has been so detrimental to their their economy um and it's going to take you know, a couple of decades to put right. So I really need to go and see where it's been really damaging. And the big things around that, my assumptions around that already are that it's, you cannot just go cold turkey and um, you need to know how to farm organically. Like it's a different yes. way of farming. So those, that they, they've gone from subsidizing fertilizer over there to banning it. So it was a real extreme. So I'm going to yeah go to Sri Lanka and then probably go on to India because um, they've got huge amount of organic farms over there, like huge, huge, and a lot of small scale. Um, and then I really want to go to Taiwan. This will probably be one big trip next winter. That'll be amazing, by the way. Yeah, Taiwan yeah. is like, um, they're 25% organic already and they want to be 50%. And that's, all, yeah, incentivized by government. So um, I want, yeah, I want to go and see that. Um, and then I probably will, I want to get into China, but whether I will be able to, it's it's very difficult unless you've got a contact there to yeah. get into sea farms and stuff. So I have got a contact, but I'm, yeah, I'm just going to see how things go. And I will probably go on to um, New Zealand while I'm, I'm going to do a six week trip with that lot. Um, oh. That's my aim, just because I think, you know, they asked us in our interview, well, my mock interview got asked how do you make your enough or more environmentally friendly when you're gonna be flying and i was like oh i haven't even thought about that um but that's not that is one of the reasons but the other reason is also i feel like i can give it big focus yeah. so by going for like six weeks in the winter i can my job in the winter actually i can get cover if that yeah. makes sense like i could get someone for that period of time whereas if i went in our carving season just not it's just wouldn't be ideal so okay. I, yeah i just like to go and then do it and then do you know a very random thing about Sri Lanka. So I'm a bit of a capital city nerd, right? Yeah. I would say I think I think it's about 85% of the, the world, the countries, I know the capital city. And I always knew Sri Lanka as Colombo. And then they went and changed it. Now I know what it is, but I cannot say it. It's very annoying. It's something like Sri Jenawar Depura Lotte. I just can't get it in my head. Very frustrating. Very random little fun fact there, but that's the case. That's so and, funny. <laughs> it's quite tragic, actually. <laughs> used to read the atlas as a kid um but did you yeah genuinely yeah it's really 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 quite sad um i just had actually just about five or six episodes ago um the person with the world record to be the first person ever to go to every country twice <clears throat> 10 world records yeah, yeah yeah mad right <laughs> and every place he was talking about i was like oh, i'm gonna throw the capital city in here <laughs> It's so tragic, but That's I was just it was so exciting. Yeah, yeah. I know, crazy, isn't it? Um, yeah, quite mad. But uh, India, and this is going to be probably quite a... I don't mean it to be an offensive question, but I could see no. how it's taken as offensive. I'm going to ask it anyway. No. Is a lot of India organic by design or by chance? Is that governmentally led or is it just they're not there using is... fertilizer and pesticides? No, no, there is some um, governmental lead on it. Um, but I don't think that's the real driver behind it. I think it's probably like pre-World War for us, if that makes yeah, sense. For sure. that's, it's probably a scale thing. Yeah. Um, because they, I mean, I'm not saying there isn't big farms in India because there are, you know, like in any country there are, but there's a lot more, you know, I can't remember what the average cow size, um, average herd size is something, you know, it's under 10. Yeah. yeah you know, so it's true. tiny. So I think 
and the, and the air the land i think they just farm within their means if that makes sense that's my assumption at the moment but i'm ready definitely to be challenged on that one when I go but I think they're just small scale farmers like yeah. not just but that's that is just by nature and I I associate some of that with organic um yes first you know I think some people do when they buy organic assume that it would be small scale um, well, that was kind of the basis for my question that's what I thought would yeah be. just on on the states uh I've got um and I'm sure you'd be happy passing you on Joel Salatin's number oh cool um, if that would help yeah, he sounds great. Busy. Yeah, yeah I've a, heard about him. Tom's really because he's very into the soil, isn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. So Tom, Tom's um very you know yeah loves him. I think has he got YouTube videos? Is that right? Yeah, he's pretty notable. I think there's like half a million followers on it or something. Yeah, I think yeah. Tom watches them. Yeah, that would be yeah. cool. Thank you. Um, I'm not. I've just like the only places I've definitely that I want to go at the moment are West Constance, which is where um, uh, Organic Valley sort of their headquarters and stuff are so that's yeah. a definite i will go there because a lot of their farms are around there they are spread amongst the country but they've got a big and they've got a big amish community there as well and that's yeah. about 20 percent of their milk comes from members are amish very small amount of milk because they um the thing with the amish farmers is they need to they work slowly because they always need to be able to think of god so they work in time really? yeah so they don't have big they don't have big mechanicalization so they that everything's done on a small scale because they always need to be able to think about God when they're doing what they're doing. They are, and they all yeah. have fantastic beards as well. Yeah, yeah. they do. They're great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd fit in well, Wallace. <laughs> no mustaches though; they're like chin straps. Yeah, I always feel I always feel quite. I I feel completely shaven if I don't have a mustache. I did it once. I look weird. Literally an upside down <laughs> basket. Um, Brilliant. <laughs> is it purely milk you're focusing on? Um, no, so I'm so my sponsor is Trahane. So I'm very lucky to have Trahane and they sponsor dairy. And so it, I will have a dairy focus because that is my business. But I'm hoping to see so definitely in Sri Lanka, I'll go and see some tea plantations, like lots of different um, organics um, to understand. I would like to see some sectors that are doing really well in organic. Um, the good thing with milk is that in the UK, they call it the stairway to organic. So they see, uh, okay. that, you know, it's if you buy, if you've got organic milk available in a shop, then it often have more of um organic um, purchases in baskets as well. So it's kind of, it's it's more accessible price wise as well. If you look at the d difference on shelf, it's, it's not masses. And sometimes it's in line with like premium brands like Cravendale and stuff. Sure. So it's not actually a big jump for us, something like uh, organic wine or, you know, like a high organic chocolate or something is a bigger, you know, it's a bigger step up. Well, it's funny you mention organic wine because I was just going to say, <clears throat> and I want to say the right term here. I think it is. I know what number it is. So I'm just going to quickly just say some words here as absolute filler while I find the podcast there. Um, <laughs> yes, the first ever regenerative organic vineyard is in the Ooh. States. And I had them on the podcast, Jason Haas. Um, they look at sort of a lot of animal integration into their wine, um, into their oh, viticulture. Wow. I don't that know if that's an one. Yeah, I could put you in touch with Jason as well, I'm sure. So. Definitely. Yeah, I should definitely. And in fact, it's wine as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get that. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be definitely, yeah. I just, I think I've got a lot to learn from other sectors, but it will be because, um, because of who, what my business is. And also because I've been really kindly sponsored by Trahane Trust, um, they're excited about what it will bring back to to the yeah. dairy pool. So yeah, it will be an organic focus. Brilliant. On no, dairy. 
it's just, it's quite funny. We um, I think it was Cormac I was filming with, and uh, Cormac's doing his own um, small ruminant dairy. Yeah. So, you know, goat and sheep milk, and also looking a wee bit at sort of small ruminant production in general. And uh, <laughs> he said, uh, I think, I can't remember if it was Chile or France, but the, the, the statement holds up no matter which one it was. Um, I want to go there uh, because, you know, there's a lot of small ruminant uh, farming there and also the wine's good. And I'm like, that doesn't play into what you're doing, Cormac. And he's like, no, 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 I, but the wine's good. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to travel for what we want as well. Wine and cheese. Yeah, so, you know. it's, an, it's definitely, it's very, I met a, um, a a former, well, not former, they always say we can't say former scholars. That's and right. I'm a scholar um, who did one, how long ago did he do one? 10 years ago. Um, and he said to me, so if it doesn't really matter what your topic is you just have to let your jet like you need to let enough take you the way it takes you so just don't worry too much about your topic go where you're really interested and then you will meet people there that bring you along to to your topic but you just need to enjoy the ride that's how i think i'm planning it like you know i'm doing an agricultural education and in each country i'm going to i have a university i plan on going to but i think that's all i'm really booking (laughs) Yeah, and then yeah. Sort of, I can talk my way into most things. So, yeah, yeah. No, I think up. that's important. Yeah. Um, and then because yeah. it, it is so much about self development as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I'm excited. Uh, what happens next? Everyone says, "What's after Nuffield?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't know." <laughs> Be the first two time scholar. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem to sort of propel things, so doesn't it? Like, yeah, it's definitely got some kudos. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely got a huge kudos around it is in and you know people just respect what well, they say so they should i mean if you're going to dedicate you know nearly two years of your life to a topic um and developing yourself then then yeah you've got i mean i think it's got to mean something in the industry doesn't it my um my mental answer to, and by mental i don't mean what's going on in my head i mean mental yeah. I'm crazy um answer to what's after an field is i have written a phd proposal <laughs> Have you actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, looking at um, the potential positive impact of social media influencers on the agricultural industry in the UK. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, so you'll probably good. be contacted once I finish Nuffield. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, are you at the point, um, Wallace, that you just want to keep learning? Because I think that's one of the reasons why I applied for Nuffield is that I, like, my brain just wants to learn the whole time at the moment. I'm just like, I don't didn't do university, so I'm just... I'm kind of, I had a period of time with the kids and you, I just, you know, totally was with the kids and I did do my accountancy, et cetera. But I, I just, my brain is in that where I'm just like, wants to pick up information the whole time. That's exactly what Laura said yesterday. That sort of exact thing that you've just said. So I did do uni, I did a master's. Um, and then after my master's, I did a postgraduate certificate in higher and tertiary education. And then that finished like maybe, I don't know, three months before I got in a field. Yeah, and I, I don't know what it is. Like, I can't exactly say I missed education because I've never left it. But um, there's just something about getting into something you like. Like, see if yeah. see if I originally went to do a PhD after my master's before mm. I got a job lecturing and stuff like that. And my goal, I think I said this to someone recently, was to do a PhD, not to be like, oh, I've got this topic, like I just said with social media. Yeah, I would have absolutely hated it because you need to have this like I, the reason I went into that interview and loved it was because I knew everything they were going to ask me because I love this topic mm. like you would have as well you know like you yeah. love it's all that you care about and I mean one of, one of the questions in the interview absolutely blew me 
And I just, I don't know if you got one of those, but it was such a simple question. And I just, it was my first question. I was so nervous that I totally flunked. Like I didn't flunk, so I brought it back. But I, I just, they asked me what my favorite um, organic brands were. Okay. And, and I was like, oh, um, definitely Riverford. Um, just, um, you know, it's, Riverford's a really good example of organic because a lot of homes have Riverford. They've really done well in the market, fruit and veg. It's like a fruit and veg company down here. You've probably heard of it all. But um, then they, the lady, the really lovely lady who was in there, she said, um, and uh, I see that Tim Mead from Year Valley did your reference. Um, what about Year Valley? And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, um, oh, that's a really interesting one because um, actually Year Valley um, did drop the organic out of their name to make to make them more accessible at a yeah. time because they didn't really want to be known just as an organic brand. They wanted just to be, you know, an organ- a yogurt brand more. Sure. Um, and she was like, oh, you brought that back. And I was like, you know, at that point, I was just so... I think that's a good answer. That's not a bad... That's a good answer. That's a good well, statement. I know, but I was just, I hadn't even thought about Year Valley. Well, I had thought about Year Valley. It would have been my favourite... You know, it's my favourite brand. A lot of our milk goes into it, but I just... I just couldn't. <laughs> I just couldn't. I was the first, and I just got so giggly already before it that I was just... Yeah. I, th- I think it answered your question, that yes, I do sort of want to just... There's something... There's something addicting about knowing stuff. And yeah. this podcast is so good for that. I quote mm. this podcast more than I quote my degrees as a lecturer. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, And I think it would be fair to say maybe quote's the wrong word. I say what's been said in the podcast, but I'm not saying everything in here is gospel. Of course it's not. Um, but, you know, I think just like you said about going to different countries and meeting folk and speaking to people all over, like the stuff you learn from that is insane. Um, are you doing the, the sort of the PG cert top up? I, I am going to I haven't yeah. applied yet I hopefully I'm within deadline still am I yeah I think so I hope so because I haven't yeah. either <laughs> tomorrow's I my big day I, of just, all that. I thought it was going to be something I'd do after Christmas but then I sort of keep seeing that something about January and I'm just worried um yeah. that, that I've yeah I want to because I think I think it would give me some structure in it if that makes sense I yeah. feel like it might just keep me on the track at the minute it's not very structured in my head they yeah. say it's not a travelogue, but I have no idea how it can be anything else at the minute without that idea of structure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. No, dear, believe it or not, it's been an hour. <laughs> is it actually? Yeah, it's 50, 54 minutes, I think. Um, uh, I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Yeah, I mean, it's here, obviously, a credit to how interesting you are, Sophie, twice. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long um, day today, and I, I feel slightly like I've been run over, but I think that's, um, yeah, that's holidays and dark. I mean, it's so dark outside, but we have had the shortest day now. The longest day, shortest day. What way round is it? Yeah, what day are we on today? Twenty second. Yeah, so it was yeah. that yesterday. Today's the yeah, so yesterday yeah. Is the shortest yeah. day and the longest night? Is that right? Twenty uh, first, like the shortest. Yeah. So basically, yeah. my dad will be saying today, Christ, it was an awful long night today. An awful long day today. Was he? Uh, <laughs> he always says he's like, <laughs> like you know, the twenty second of June. All oh, the nights are fair drawn in. <laughs> Every <laughs> single year without fail. Um, so good. 
yeah, but no, it's been great as always. Um, you never know, you might be the first person to come on three times after nothing. Oh, I don't know. I don't um, know. I think they survive. Are you going to do follow ups to Nuffield as in follow like, at, do you know what? at the end? Been, well, I think in so. Middle? I've also <laughs> been like, I, I'm doing like bonus episodes just myself and with yeah. people I meet along the way. That's good. Um, my sponsors, Howden, are getting involved in that as well. So yeah. thank you to them. But um, yeah. who, who is your sponsor, Alice? So my sponsor for Nuffield is McRobert Trust. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Very weird, actually, in that um, their sort of representative on the day was called Wallace. I know no other Wallaces. <laughs> uh, what's, so they, what's their space? What's what that? They- so they... They they have they have an estate up in North uh, North Scotland. Sorry, um, I actually ha- I want to try and go up and meet some of the people. Um, but they're involved in a lot of education. Uh, they always take on a Nuffield scholar as well. Um, I haven't had chance to fully get to know about the organisation yet. Um, just with the busyness of this time of year. But in the new year, we plan on meeting up, and they, they sort of want me to go talk at the end of this year as well. Obviously, before Nuffield's finished, but go and talk at their sort of. They have a yearly. You wouldn't call it a convention, but like a sort of like a dinner almost, um, just about everything they're doing. So, yeah, really sort of supportive. Um, I probably haven't been in touch enough lately, just with Nuffield's probably went to the back of the list. (laughs) Just yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, yeah, they've been they've been very very helpful. So, uh, looking forward to sort of working alongside them. I actually kind of want to do a podcast with McRobert and just sort of show off what they're doing. So, uh, yeah, but with that, I want to almost do like a. Well, tell us about your Nuffield with our whole cohort. <laughs> but yeah. the more I do this, the more I think this is going to become the Nuffield cast. Because if yeah. I interview every one of each cohort, that's 20. And then if I interview everyone from their sort of follow up, that's 20. <laughs> yeah. like 40% Nuffield, which I'm happy to do because that's exactly who I want to share stories. But um, as always, though, Sophie, there is two questions I ask everyone. You've now had to a- answer it twice, and, and one mm-hmm. of the questions looks at five years. So let's see how far across your five-year plan is uh, six months in. I can't remember at all what you said, but uh, the first one's I where can't you... either. <laughs> I could go back and check. For those listening, go tell me what Sophie said. Yeah. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? And if you'd any... Did tip... I say enough field? I mean, that I would be funny. Know. I don't know. So I was... Interestingly, you say that, actually... Just next to me here is a speech I had written um, for January last year. And uh, I confidently said um, in that speech, oh, I plan on doing a Nuffield this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, someone's cocky. Did yeah, not, love it. I mean, um, I love it. Um, yeah. That's so good, though, because I actually found one of my diaries from, it wasn't, it was 20... So what we now, 23, 22, it's a 22 diary. And I'd written, um, look into nothing. It was like past the application date. So it must've been like later in the year. Yeah. It must've been like, yeah, probably this time. Yeah. This time last year. And I'd written, um, Nuffield open evening or Nuffield, you know, something in my diary question mark. And so I obviously had sort of thought about it, but, um, yeah, I just, blows my mind because it was such an not ordeal but it was it was a big thing to commit to it yeah it, it's quite it's quite cool that that was the case though I mean I, yeah. I sort of made a point of um you know I made a point of telling everyone I was doing it and I posted about it and stuff which came with a bit of like well it goes wrong goes wrong get it. <laughs> I didn't really um, tell anyone yeah. and I actually found out that I got it 
it was really bad for us because um basically I was in Denmark for a meeting and the letter had been everyone had so I went that was the maddest week I've ever had that I had the interview on the Monday then I stayed at my my best friends in London Tuesday got on a plane Tuesday night to Denmark for two days then I had the Farmers Weekly Awards that same week it was like the most crazy week um but I was just about to take off on the Thursday to get home and um it was like I don't know maybe three in the afternoon and I said has I put a message in the WhatsApp group is there any post for me and Lottie took a picture of an envelope saying yeah this has come I was like can you open it and she texted me back saying I was literally just about to take off she texted me back saying oh no I'm home now so I'll get it when I go back up and I had to sit that whole like two hour plane journey not knowing I was literally like, and I then told the whole people that I was sat with, like all my work, the guys that I work with. Um, and they were like, oh, they were all like waiting to find out. And then we landed and I, op- I opened my phone and like Wi-Fi and everything. And um, Lottie had um, opened it and she she put never in doubt. She saying never. And she's, she's like my right hand girl on the farm. And That's she texted a- me saying never in doubt. And I was like, oh. <laughs> that's amazing it's it's quite funny we spoke to a few folk about the sort of the getting the letter and uh I mean, i've got it sat there i'm terrible mm. at sentimental stuff but oh, yeah, yeah me too. you have to keep it you have to keep it so i'm really it. like really and like when people <laughs> give me books and stuff like i get most people to write in books that they give me i like oh, yeah. i like to know that yeah far more no i should be better at it i think i don't know it just you probably get this as well with the sort of we're kind of similar in that sense of sort of a few things happening in that that I don't know everything blends into one and I really should take more of it like I've got you mentioned a book like just here next to me I never read a book in my life no never I was given this by our guest from last week um Kate Rawls so I'd mentioned I'd went to Ukraine the guy I was in the pickup with his sister um has a a company instagram check it out really interesting interesting called outdoor philosophy mm. and uh, what they do or what she does sorry it's basically she I'm did her phd supper. when she was younger what's that i'm eating my supper sorry i'm not being no ready. fire on no problem, no problem. <laughs> um and one of the things she done was uh when was it she done it was it six years ago anyway she built a bike out of bamboo and cycled from the north of south america to the to the south tip in a shire. Uh, all what, the what were the stuff. wheels made out of? Yeah, I don't know. I, the, I would say normal. I think it's the frame that's made out of bamboo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's really nice. And I think it might be the first book I read. But anyway, we've completely went off topic, as we normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see yourself in five years? And any tips for people coming into farming, what would they be? <laughs> five years. I think obviously I'd like to have completed my field by then. If I haven't, that would be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I would have found a bit of an answer out to what the future is organic and then implemented some of that back on our own farm. I would probably think that I would be probably a 50-50 split on farm to farm work outside, if that makes sense, like work outside. So pro- I, I think I'm probably... Um, you know predicting things that you know maybe won't happen but I predict that I will have more of an involvement in sort of not policy but that side of organics and things um just because I am interested in it and I feel like make you can make a difference like I'm definitely of the belief you can make a difference um I think probably our farm 
will have grown a bit more and it will probably be circular as in we will keep all the mm. beef by then the cow the grain will feed the cows and i would hope we would have the second unit to move the autumn calving cows onto but um that's where i probably see it and then top tips um probably to give it a just to go and find a local farmer to give it a go um that would be just go and just go and say can i come come and volunteer because i've had you know people struggle to some farms don't want to try youngsters totally understand that especially if they've not got the time themselves to train them what i would say is definitely approach a local farm and then put some volunteer hours in because you never know where it end. It might end up in a job might find you don't actually like it um also um there's a good if you're in school still get your school to put on a um schools and a few school visits because they are really good you get a couple of farmers come in to talk to you about different careers um and also you can learn loads on the internet now as well so like there's some really good youtube channels that if you're younger and can't get a job yet you should definitely look on on youtube and have a look through there but definitely ag, ag college as well there's lots of ag, ag courses now for girls and boys and apprenticeship is really good way of earning and learning at the same time we always have an apprentice on farm so um yeah i would say volunteer apprenticeships um go on youtube to learn also finding a mentor is really good as well you get a good farming mentor that's what we had um that that will definitely help you along the way brilliant and probably the best social media account to follow is farmer and training obviously (laughs) (laughs) you're nice wallace (laughs) i don't i I don't you probably noticed if you listen to any podcast or for those listening, I don't say that about everyone that comes on. I genuinely mean it when I say it about you. Honestly, Thank you. I think I'm, not, I mean, I'm not saying, by the way, you're the best ever. You're just, I think, no. what you fantastic. Thank I really you. Do. I just, I just hope that it might make someone think, oh, maybe I could do this. Because that's really yeah. when people ask me, you know, why do you do it? Is it for the attention? I get a bit of that. As in, I get people saying that. And I said, yeah. no, actually, it's if people look at that and think, um, they think sorry i've got my son behind me now he's thinking it's funny to wave um, oh, no, no. Hello, hello. there we go <laughs> <laughs> um he, yeah so i i just want to share like i honestly didn't really know how milk was produced before i you know as someone who was buying it and drinking it and quite a lot of it um, sure. i had no idea so i just think it's really for my when i stopped doing it for a bit my friends a lot of my friends live in london were like no we love it we miss it and, you know, for them, it's just a bit of access to the countryside and to their food. Yeah. And I don't see a problem. You know, most of us are accessing information online now, aren't we? I that's assume 99% of it, no? Yeah. You know? So uh, I, yeah. That's the agenda for it, if we have an agenda. And what you've just said about your friends in London, that is exactly why I want to do that PhD. That's yeah. just, just the exact reason. Yeah. For the second time, Sophie, thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate it. Pleasure. It's been Absolute very good. Pleasure. Yeah, I think it has now opened the... What's the thing? Not open the gate. There's a there's a saying. President. We'll go with that. That sounds much better. Yeah. That coming from someone that clearly has got a fancy career behind them. Um, <laughs> no. uh, to have folk on again. So yeah, we obviously have had God 170 episodes now. I worked out. I did some maths in November, so it's probably. I think I've only had individuals on since then, so I can do the maths. Yeah, we've had. Two, I believe. 234 people on the podcast so far <clears throat> um yeah we had one with nine people uh, with a few with seven, a few with six Gee, yeah how do you yeah. all, how do you get people like stop people talking over each other on that kind of thing you just kind of <laughs> 
hope they don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it, I, I sort of have to create a bit of a dynamic where I'm like, you know, let's go yeah. around everyone. Um, but it is tricky. It comes with challenges. Uh, <clears throat> but it was sort of bringing on, you know, organisations. I want to try to get breed societies and stuff like that. Maybe maybe the organic committee, you know, that sort of thing. Definitely. Um, you should. White, we have yeah. White Park cattle as well. And um, it's these breed societies are, you know, they're a real social thing. people take them very seriously i mean we're probably the least serious in our white park group but people take it very seriously yeah then that's it you know i'm bringing hebridean society on soon uh you might follow katie tunstall Um, oh yeah 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 uh, so katie's i believe secretary of that have you seen her little cat parsnip i haven't oh my god oh my god where do i go for that what's that where do i go to find that well, I think on our, I think it's Diary of a Shepherdess or Instagram. Um, yeah. If not, if you go to her Instagram, yeah, you'll then go to like I did an invite collaborator post with her, and she probably posts much less than me. Uh, yeah. There's a photo of just um a uh, on the Zoom call parsnip in the background, a uh, photo bombing. Uh, <laughs> parsnip so was like the size of a hand at the time. But uh, yeah, I better do the actual outro instead of talking about random cats. <laughs> and <laughs> vegetables. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for everyone listening, as always, thank you very much. As I said, this is the last time I'm filming in 2023. Um, he says he'll probably, I'll probably end up organising four on the 28th of December or something like that. But as far as I'm aware, it's the last. Um, so I'll be, I've said this in the Christmas special that's coming out in three days, but six weeks ago for you guys. Um, thank you for all the support. Uh, I don't know exactly, but I think we're looking at something like, I don't know, half a million views in the last year. So, yeah, going really well. Um, and I believe 360 folks taught on their main podcast, which is must be down to the guests and not me. Um, so, yeah, thank you for all the support. We'll see you, I guess I should say in February, because this is coming out in January. Um, we'll probably have done already about 10 episodes this year already. Uh, thank you as always for that. I don't know who the next episode is. Um, but yeah we'll see you for that then and uh, yeah we'll see you then catch you later on i hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the r2 cast as much as i have and i would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today howden rural the new name for a plan rural if you follow howden rural on social media you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far and long may it continue for more information about them be sure to check out howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural and I'll see you for the next episode.